Hello and good afternoon. Welcome to our show, We're Talking Golf. My name is Douglas Maida, and I'm your host for the show. Now, today's show is going to be a little bit different. Our guest is a professional player who's entering her rookie year on the Ladies European Tour. Gabriella Then is a native of Southern California, and after a glittering junior golf career that included being a member of the winning Junior Solheim Cup team, she went on to earn a full scholarship to play with the University of Southern California women's golf team. She joined the national champion Trojans in 2014 before eventually graduating with a degree in communications. Now, I'm sure you'll find Gabby to be an incredibly thoughtful individual. She'll be sharing her experiences with us in terms of becoming a professional player, including a very important period in her life where she overcame some emotional and mental adversity to win the 2022 Ladies European Tour Q School. Gabby will be joining us from her home in Los Angeles via Zoom. But before we get to her, we're going to take a a short break for a couple of messages. When we think speed, we think about speed tuning every aspect of the new Rogue ST drivers. Really? I just think about hitting bombs. Yeah, past him. When we think total power, we think of our tungsten speed cartridge. A what speed cartridge? I don't know, but I like what it does. When we think max distance, we think... Oh, that's bomb! With our fastest, most stable driver ever, there's only one thing you'll think about. Nastier bombs. Think speed. Go rogue with Callaway, the kings of distance. First it was just like these distant roars in the dark, you know? But then they started getting closer and closer, and that's when I saw it. This was no pair. It was like a pair squatch. And that's over now. What? Dad, what's a bear squatch? It's a cross between a bear and a sas... It's made up. With capability comes responsibility. The legendary 2022 Lexus GX. With Apple CarPlay support. He's usually sleeping. He'll never sleep again. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Today's show is being recorded from our studio in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We are produced by the World of Golf and you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.worldofgolf.org or on our social media channels of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and now on LinkedIn. We are proud to announce that We're Talking Golf has been recognized as one of the top 40 PGA and LPGA golf podcasts to follow. Now, back to our show. Here is your host, Douglas Mader. Welcome back, and without much further ado, let's get right to our guest. We'd like to welcome to the show, Gabby Then, who's joining us from her home in Los Angeles. Welcome to the show, Gabby. Hi, thank you for having me. Our pleasure, our pleasure, and we're glad you could take time out of your busy schedule to join us. So, Gabby, let's chat a little bit about your background. Let's introduce you a little bit to our listeners. Let's start with that. How did you get into golf? Okay, uh, well... I grew up all around um, LA County. I've moved around a lot in my childhood and I started golf when I was five years old and just going with my dad on the weekends. And um, from there just progressed to, you know, junior golf and um, eventually uh, it landed me a, a scholarship to USC and that is where I went to college. Okay. Wonderful. Any, uh, sort of uh, memories or experiences that you cherish from junior golf and amateur golf before college? Uh, yeah, there are uh, a lot. I was fortunate enough to play AJGA um, for many years. 
And so with that junior tour, it took me all across the United States and even to Ireland, where I was a part of the um, junior Solheim Cup team uh, that they had. And uh, we went over there, um, I think it was 2011, and competed in the junior Solheim Cup. And then we went to go watch the actual Solheim Cup. So and I think I was 14 years old. So that was an incredible experience before college. Yeah, that, that'd be fantastic. Who was your coach for the junior Solheim team? It was Meg Mallon. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. Well, you got firsthand LPGA experience teacher, or I mean, uh, coach right there for you. And Oh yeah, she's the best. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. And uh, how did the team make out? Uh, we won. So there we go. We had a lot of, we had a lot of U.S. supporters actually over there, and it was incredible to see um, new type of golf course. We, we were playing somewhere outside of Dublin, if I remember correctly, and it was pouring rain. It was um, windy. It was just the really bad um, weather, but we still you know, came out on top, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. Oh, that's fantastic. You really got to cherish those kind of events for sure. Oh, yeah. I would love to play in the Solheim Cup, real Solheim Cup in the future. Well, there you go. That's, uh, you got to have your goals and targets to work for, right? Eh? Uh, Gabby, is there any players off the European team that um, have advanced on and, and are playing professionally now? Yeah, I think there is at least uh, three, four, five players from that team that are now pro. I'm pretty sure... Leona and Lisa McGuire were on that team as well, competing that year. Because we're all around the same age, around mid-20s. And yeah, so we were all under 18 at that time. Oh, wonderful. What about on your on your team? Any others? On my team, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's about 90% of the team that's professional uh, to this day. Like... Allison Lee, uh, Emma Talley, Stackhouse, um, Lindsay Weaver, so many. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah. Great little lineup of players there. Great team. Yeah. If, if you look at our pictures from there, it's basically a lot of the players on the LPGA and the now Epson tour. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wonderful. That's mm-hmm. a fantastic experience. Yeah. Um, so how was it that you came to be recruited and drafted? Well, not drafted, but recruited to uh, University of Southern California. Uh, yeah. So through the AJGA, I uh, was scouted by many college coaches around the time I was 13, 14. And, you know, um, you have this thing where you you reach out to all the college coaches before a certain period of time in high school. And so I was thinking maybe I should reach out to the universities that are kind of close to my house because Southern California was all I knew at that point and all I was comfortable with. So I just reached out and paid a visit to both USC and UCLA, their campuses. And um, the USC coach, you know, took me around um, campus and showed me where we would practice and uh, verbally committed when I was 14. Wow. That was a little bit on the young side. No. 
Yeah, it was, but you had to be quick, you know, you to, in order to get the scholarships. <laughs> That's true. The early bird gets the worm, as we say, right? Exactly. Hey, um, Gabby, so you played uh, University of Southern California in those years, and that was a pretty strong program. Any memorable experiences? Were you on the team the same time Annie Park was, or did you have an overlap year? We did. We did have overlap years. She did. We are the same year, but she went in um, one semester early, and that was the year or the semester that they won the national championship. And I came in the semester right after. Oh, so you you still went to the finals and whatnot, but you weren't part of that team. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you still stay in touch with many of your collegiate friends? Yeah, we we definitely um, either see each other in professional tournaments or keep in touch through social media and texting and whatnot. Oh, that's great news. That's, that's nice to hear. Yeah. Um, 2022. So this is going to be your first year on the ladies European tour. You have professional status. So congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Um, what's your first event going to be? And can you kind of give us an idea of what your, um, initial thoughts are about the season? I mean, we'll get into that a little more, but I'm just thinking more along your first event and what's going through your mind in terms of your process to get this year started. Yeah. Um, so I, I have two statuses this year, full status on ladies European tour that I gained through um, Q school in Spain and Epson tour status that I also got, but it's conditional because I didn't make it to stage three. And so they both have events starting about mid-March or so. So I'm going to see which one I get into. But as of right now, I'm signed up for the Saudi Arabia Aramco tournament on the LAT. Okay. And when are you planning on heading over that way? It would be probably the second week of March. And the event itself is the third week of March? Uh, I think it starts the 17th. Oh, okay. So kind of right there and then. Um, Yeah. You going over early enough to kind of get yourself acclimatized? Oh, I definitely will. Gonna yeah. need some time for that. Yeah, and the time zone difference is gonna be uh what almost twelve hours? That too. <laughs> Major <laughs> time difference. <laughs> oh, great, great. Uh anybody be go- gonna be going with you? Any family or for the majority of this year, um on the LET, I will ha- have to travel by myself for the moment. Um, but I'm sure as the year goes on. I'll have maybe my mom come with me along or I might travel with another player. I just don't know. I'm new to the tour, so I'm going to learn as I go along. Uh, yes. So there'll be a, uh, how would you say? Well, it's, it's going to be a learning experience for sure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, let's chat a little bit about, you mentioned Q school stage two and conditional status on the now Epson tour. Uh, let's chat a little bit about that Q series. Stage two, what were your, did you play stage one and then advance to stage two or were you able to go straight into stage two? I was um, exempt into stage two of qualifying through um, the WAPT tour called the Women's All Pro Tour. It, um, I don't know if you know much about it, but it basically is, you know, 
in conjunction with the then Symmetra tour. I'm going to have to go back between Symmetra and Epson tour, but uh, in every tournament they have on the WAPT tour, if you get top two that week, you get an exemption into this, the Symmetra tournament the following week or two. And so that gives you an opportunity to play at a bigger stage. So um, I played the majority of the WAPT season. And if you get top five on the money list, you get to go straight into stage two. And I got third on the money list. On the WAPT money list? Yes, on the WAPT money list. Okay. Oh, good for you. Congratulations. Um, And WAPT play mostly Texas, Arizona? Yeah. Uh, like Texas, Mississippi, Arkansas, um, where else did we go? Yeah, I'm pretty sure all around the South, right there. Okay. Okay, so the cactus uh, in Arizona is a little different, and then you got the Florida uh, little swing there as well that's different as well? Yes. Okay. What was going through your mind? So you're in stage two, you're competing to get to stage three. Um I'm making the assumption that that was your primary goal was to get through to stage three and uh, compete for an LPGA card and, or worst case scenario, having a Epson tour status. So what was going through your mind as you were playing your last, getting to those last couple of rounds and it looked like things were going to be a little bit on the tight side. Well, going into stage two, I felt really good about my game coming off a great summer with the WAPT, I knew my game was in the right place and I was fully ready for the stage two competition. And as I'm in the tournament, my mind, you know, started racing. I got, I definitely got nervous, anxious throughout the whole, I mean, in the, in the, couple days leading into the event, I could feel like the anxiety rising. And because I think I was putting so much pressure on myself coming off this summer of like a win and getting top three and, and um, these high expectations that I had for myself at stage two. And so that, but at the same time, confident about my game. I don't know. I was just like in a, in a really interesting space in my mind. And so I really think it just came down to putting a lot of pressure on myself and overthinking things and not just playing my game plan. But I did, you know, keep fighting till the very end and brought it back with a good round on the last day. Well, how much of that uh, nervousness would you attribute to the fact that you took some time off and decided to come back to golf? Was there a little bit of mental rust in addition to some of the physical rust? I don't think there was mental rust or physical rust because, you know, the entire summer I had traveled for 10, 11 weeks for tournaments and it was only, I don't know, like one or two months in between that and then the start of stage two. So it wasn't really that I was practicing that whole time and, and, um, you know, really training hard in all aspects of my game. And I think it just came, it came down to being there in Florida and just, um, 
just putting too much pressure on, on what I needed to achieve and, and thinking to myself, you know, top 45, top 45, because that is what moved on. So, yeah, I think I was ready. You know, I just didn't perform. (laughs) Okay. Um, Now, when you talk a little bit about putting too much pressure on yourself and whatnot, I mean, we've, one of our recent sessions, we had uh, Dr. Jim Aframo, who's a, um, a renowned mental performance coach. He's worked with the St. Louis, or pardon me, the um, San Francisco Giants and uh, some teams like that, University of uh, Arizona and a whole bunch of different teams. One of the things he was talking to us about was being able to stay in the moment and how to prepare yourself mentally. Can you share with us kind of what your thought process was and, and at what point did you start to notice that your your mind was getting ahead of yourself a little bit and anything like that or yeah? Yeah. Um, I think I noticed that I started getting ahead of myself and overthinking and having a million thoughts in my head when I was hitting certain shots off or putting my my ball in a position that was, you know, in my mind, just super, super bad. And just if little things were going wrong, which, you know, I know that I should just accept it and keep moving on and keep going on with my game plan. But at the time I just, it, it, it was so, it was amplified in my head, the mistakes that I was making. So that led me to overthinking and scrambling somehow to save what I was doing wrong, which in turn made me do even worse. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) So if I'm understanding you, what you're saying a little bit here is that um, mentally you're thinking you were in a worse position than you really were. Then you're trying to make it all up in the next shot without, and then it's just kind of snowballs from there. Kind of uh, thinking. Okay. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's interesting. And, and, you know, and I'm, I hope I didn't put you on the spot, Gabby, because I think, you know, one of the things is we do have a lot of junior golfers listening in and and their parents too. So I think it'd be a wonderful opportunity for them to actually hear what goes through um, a professional player's mind and in a high stress situation like that. And, and if they can start to equate it a little bit to their games, even if they're at the junior level or whatnot, it's something that they can learn a little bit from and whatnot. And I think that's invaluable. Yeah. And I think that, you know, coming off of that, I think it was a really valuable lesson. I mean, you're always learning. I've been playing professional golf for five years now and I know this, you know, this mental stuff, but you know, still you have to keep telling yourself that. So coming off of that, it's a valuable lesson I learned at stage two because it came up again in ladies European tour qualifying in Spain where I was playing the pre-qualifying, which is the first event <clears throat> there at uh, at the tournament. And I had a decent start to the first round. And I think somewhere in the second or third round, um, a, I just had a really, really rough round, a couple over par. And I didn't have the same reaction uh, to shots going like wrong or my position being wrong. I just took a step back. I analyzed what I did wrong and I came out the next day even more confident because I already let go of the day before. And I knew that 
I could just come right back if I just keep moving forward and not overthink about what I did wrong the day before or the shot before. So it came in handy just a month or so later. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, when you talk about getting, I know I'm kind of getting off string a little bit here, but I find this fascinating and I appreciate you, uh, um, participating in this little chat about mental preparation and, and the mental aspects of golf, Gabby. Um, part of your pre-shot routine, what, what kind of goes through your mind and, and how do you, could you describe your pre-shot routine for us and, and maybe what you're thinking about and focusing on? Yeah. So, I mean, let's just start right at the tee box. If I, if I'm hitting the driver here, um, and how I want to be placed in the fairway, I basically just rehearse my swing and how I, and how I picture the ball. Like I just pick like a target out there and picture the start and picture the end, the end result. And that is the only thing going through my mind the entire way rehearsing that where I want to start, where I want to end up, where I want to start, where I want to end up. And that is all I'm thinking about until I hit the ball. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. So after stage two Q school, Q series, I should say, uh, what, you know, you come off, you finished your last round. Um, at what point did you learn that you didn't uh, make the top 45 to advance? And, and what was your reaction to that? Well, coming into the final round, I knew that I had to shoot a crazy low number, like seven, eight under in order to even try to get there. So in my mind, I just said, we just have to go all out today and do the very best I can. And, you know, I did put together a good round. I, I think I shot three under par. And so I think I already knew that I didn't make it, you know, just by knowing what I had to start with. And I felt really defeated. I felt like, well, now what am I going to do? You know, like, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to have to start over and play the Epson tour again or something like that. I, I didn't know, I didn't know what my next step was. So I felt really defeated. Did that, uh, did that feeling stay with you for a while? Um, I kind of had to brush it off rather quickly because I had a tournament the very next day. I think the very next day or two days after that, um, in St. Augustine, Florida, it was an event that was, um, ran by the WAPT and I had it straight there. I think the night of the final round and I had to go straight into the next competition mode. So I have let go of it really quickly. <laughs> That's what you have to do in golf. You have to let go of it really quick. <laughs> Nothing, uh, is more important than, uh, being in the present, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> hey, um, Gabby, so what, um, at this point in time, or when you went into stage two, did you have any thoughts or inklings about the uh, ladies European tours being an option for you? Or was everything just focused on trying to be the top 45 and uh, LPGA Q series? My whole focus was LPGA Q school and making it to stage three and beyond. I, that's all I was thinking about. That's all I knew about. That's all I wanted to do. And so um, that, uh, the conversations about LETQ school happened 
you know, right after that finished, uh, right after LPG finished and um, signed up shortly after. Uh, when you say the LPGA finished, do you mean uh, stage two or did you mean? Stage two, yes, okay. stage two. So after your WAPT event, you started mm-hmm. focusing on the LET Q series as being a an option for you? Yes, that's right. Okay. And how many days later did you actually pull the trigger and say, nope, I'm going to do this. I think that's a good option. I'm pretty sure I, si- I signed up uh, like right in the middle of the tournament, I I think I think w- I was at the WAPT event in Florida and halfway through the event, because I think it was a two week stretch. I signed up um, me and my friend that I was traveling with. We both decided to do like, let's do this. Let's go to Spain and let's try qualifying for LATQ school. <laughs> ah, excellent. Excellent. Was that kind of um, that kind of meant? Did it kind of mean that by the time you arrived in Spain that um, you were kind of playing with the house money kind of thing? Like, what have I got to lose? Nothing? Yeah. And you just yeah. relax and go into it and play? Yeah. I was I was definitely thinking, you know, like, this is my, this is another chance to, you know, have a place to play next year, an opportunity to get, um, you know, uh, a world ranking points. That that's the whole goal, right? At the end of we're all gaining that in all these tournaments. So it was just another avenue that I've never explored in the past. And so, yeah, I think we just went in all out. <laughs> wonderful story, wonderful experience. I'm sure I, I'm happy for you. Well, we were following it too, and you know your name's been familiar to us here at the World of Golf because you know we've been in this a long time and, and seeing you on the collegiate boards, you know, with Annie and some of the others, and so. <laughs> we always scour the uh, Q series and the Q school stages and see who's coming through and whatnot. So that was wonderful. And it was great to see you um, advance in uh, Spain there. But let me ask you this. When you went to Spain, uh, you had mentioned that you had to try, you had to do a qualifying round first. Was it kind of like a Monday qualifier around a one single round event and only the certain number of players make it through? Or did you play a couple of rounds? Um, for the LHEQ school, it was a, a, a two-part, um, series for me because I have no status to be in with. If there's a pre-qualifying, uh, it's he- held at the same golf course and it was four rounds and, um, something like, I'm sorry, I can't remember, but top 60 or something like that m- made it to the final qualifying event so i arrived in spain a couple days early to play the practice round i played the four rounds in the pre-qualifying and then there was a two-day break and then the final qualifying tournament began which was five days long wow wow i was in spain for a while (laughs) (laughs) your mind must have been mush by the time it was all over (laughs) it was a long time i basically spent almost all of December in Spain. I left LAX on December 1st and I arrived back home on December 22nd. Well, I was going to say, you know, as long as that was, I mean, there are a heck of a lot worse places to be in December than Spain. (laughs) That's so true. I know. (laughs) It was beautiful there. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I can only imagine Spain <laughs> in December, and it's somewhere you know a little bit different than Southern California or Florida. Right. So, right. <laughs> looking back on uh, Q School Stage Two for the Ladies European Tour, did you um, going into it? Did you set yourself the goal of trying to be the top player? Or was that something that kind of evolved and by the last day you said, I'm going for this, I'm going to go for it? I definitely uh, knew what was at stake at final stage of qualifying. You know, it was it was a top 20 get into the, what they call category 11 on Ladies European Tour. And I was trying my best to understand the LET kind of, status and everything in the in the time that I was there just like packing on all this information and so I set myself a goal from the very beginning before pre-qualifying even start was top 20 to get that category 11 status and that was where I started and as the as the final qualifying tournament began I mean it did kind of evolve but I kind of felt like I was always chasing, you know, there was a, someone always on top and I was just always a couple strokes behind, like every round, a couple strokes behind, a couple strokes behind. So I don't think it really popped into my mind until it was all said and done because I just kept on pushing and kept on pushing. And then I had a great last round. So. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Happened? Well, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, Megan McLaren was leading most of that uh, event. And then exactly. uh, you pipped her to the uh, finish line on the last day. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, she was playing well the whole tournament. So, yeah, that's what I mean. You know, I was always a couple strokes behind. So, well, congratulations. Great for you. Um, afterwards, did you have that moment of oh, relief? Goal accomplished. Yeah, I had such a such a sigh of relief just and such like a a joy that that all this time that I, I spent away from home overseas you know in Spain like it was all it all came to life at the very end with this wonderful finish and I have this new opportunity in 2022 that I couldn't even fathom at that time everyone was saying what are you gonna do Cappy are you gonna go to Europe and just stay there. Are you going to come back home? Like, what are you going to do? And I said, I can't even think about that right now. I just, I want to enjoy this, this win and this moment. Well, that makes sense, you know, and savor it. You know, I mean, I think um, there's enough disappointment in golf that uh, it's important to savor the good moments and the uh, victories. And that's definitely a good victory to celebrate and, and uh, remember and, um, whatnot and gives you some fuel and energy and enthusiasm for going forward. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. Well, congratulations. When we come back, Gabby, uh, we've got to take a little break for a message from our sponsors. And then when we come back, I'd like to get into the actual nuts and bolts of what your 2022 ladies European tour season is going to look like. Just chat a little bit about maybe plan schedule logistics, um, the challenges of playing in Europe. I mean, for yourself being a, a Southern California girl or gal, I'm sorry, or Southern California, a lady from Southern California <laughs> <laughs> and uh, playing uh, in a whole new part of the world. So uh, we'll get to that when we come back. Okay. Imagine a feeling you never felt. 
you've seen. A texture you never touched. A sound you never heard. Imagine a place you've never been. A journey you've never taken. Imagine a car like nothing you've ever driven. Imagine that. A range of hybrid vehicles here today. We haven't just imagined an electrified future. For 15 years, we've been crafting one. This is Lexus Electrified. We're back. Thank you for staying with us. And we're with our guest, Gabby Then, who is a ladies European tour professional player. And we're just going to get started into the 2022 season with Gabby. So Gabby, this is going to be your first season on the ladies European tour. Um, obviously you're excited and it's going to be a brand new experience for you. Do you, um, have you given thoughts? I mean, you did mention that you're going to start your first event being the Aramco Saudi event. Um, have you got your season schedule planned out yet or, or what parts of it have you got planned out? Um, so, so far I've, I usually just plan my events, um, a couple at a time, maybe a month or two max in advance. And so far I've signed up for the Saudi Arabia event and Johannesburg and Cape town, which is a three week series. And then I would head home after that. A head home so, being back to Los Angeles. Yes. Back to Los Angeles. <clears throat> That's okay. what I've got. Okay. When you're in Europe, do you have a plan to like, when you're getting into things that are going more regularly, like come uh, May, June, July, when uh, the events are starting to come quickly and, and regularly, do you have any sort of ideas about establishing a, a travel base from, uh, from Europe rather than coming back to the United States? Um, as of right now, I, I plan on going home, you know, every, every chance there's a break. I don't have any European base at the moment, but you know, things can change in the future. You never know. Right. Okay. How are you handling the logistics? I mean, it's a little bit different traveling back and forth to Europe than it is say from, uh, Los Angeles to Florida or to, you know, uh, Boston, New Jersey and places like that. So, uh, how are you going to handle the logistics and, and what kind of plans do you have for that? Oh, as of right now, I'm handling all the logistics on my own and just, um, planning it out as, as, as the best to my ability and, and with the guidance from the ladies European tour, as they, um, helped me along, they were really helpful also in Spain as I was going through that experience for the first time. So I know, you know, that I can trust them to help me along the way. So as of logistics, I'm going to be just planning it on my own and, and, and then coming back to the U S whenever there's a break. Okay. So you're handling all your visa applications and all your booking your own flights and all of that, eh? All of that by myself. Wow. Uh, I take it a lot of the, uh, LPGA professionals have agents and, uh, player assistant support people to help them with that. Don't they? I do think that a lot of LPG players have help in the logistics, you know, area, but sometimes you just like, you know, finding the best deals on your own or like finding what, if it's best in your schedule, sometimes it's good that you can handle it on your own. 
Oh, you know, it sounds like an opportunity for somebody like Expedia to get involved in sponsoring you then. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> um, what are you going to do about a caddy? Any thoughts about caddy situation and whatnot, seeing that you're going over to a, playing a whole bunch of brand new courses and uh, things of that nature? Yeah, uh, I would love to have a tour caddy eventually. As of right now, I don't have any any plans of having one or or uh haven't talked to anyone but i'm sure as the season goes along i might meet new new people and you know make different connections so maybe it'll happen later on because <laughs> i'm still new to the tour so i haven't got a chance to you know meet everybody yet right of course that's quite natural uh are you excited about the opportunity to play Events like the Scottish Open, uh, the ISPS Handa event in in uh, Northern Ireland, or the Evian Championship. Yeah, you know those events. I've grown up watching every year on the Golf Channel, and to be able to have that chance this year to enter one of those tournaments is so exciting. So I'm looking forward to playing in Europe. Did you, um, as an aside, you any uh, golfers that you used to watch on TV or whatnot or follow when you were younger that uh, served as inspiration for you? Number one, first and foremost, would be Annika Sorenstam. She was uh, everything on the LPGA when I was growing up, as well as Lorena Ochoa. And so those two would be definitely my role models and in growing up. Um, so... I would say those two. Right. That makes sense. Makes sense. So what are your preparations basically going to be like for the uh, preparation for the uh, season kickoff for you? Like, Okay. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but I just recovered from COVID. So <laughs> I'm still, you know, getting back into it. But usually a normal day of practice would I usually like to start out training in the morning, like in the gym. So I like to get that done first thing in the morning and then head straight to the golf course and, you know, work on whatever I was planning to that day, like um, a more amount of pitching or chipping or putting drills or whatnot, and then put into practice um, on the golf course later, maybe nine, maybe 18 play a game with some some people at the course um, to get that competitive edge. Um, and then and that's about it. That's wraps my day. That is basically what happens in a normal golf training day. Right. Do you have much of a team that you're able to work with? Like um, golf swing coach, golf coach, um, mental coaches, trainers, people like that? Um. I do have my swing coach, but he's in Scottsdale. So I don't see him that often, but I just communicate through text, FaceTime and um, sending swing videos. I, I see him as, as much as I possibly can. Other than that, I think it's just me and me and, um, using what my past knowledge to, to try to like keep my swing intact and use it by feel. And it's been working okay so far. <laughs> And what about things like fitness uh, programming and trainers and things of that nature? Are you, do you just see a trainer every so often or do you have a trainer that you work with uh, on a regular basis? Uh, yeah. So 
I mean, I, I, I work out a lot by myself, like using, um, orange theory fitness and, and, um, home workout videos and whatnot, but I do use like, like PTs and, um, trainers, um, a couple times a week. And for mental coach, I don't really have one, but I like, you know, listening or I used to read some like golf mental books and um, I see inspirational stuff on YouTube and whatnot. But other than that, I just work on that personally. <laughs> I don't know how I can and, and learn from from players and like player interviews, watching the PGA, the LPGA, kind of like what goes on in their mind, learning from the greatest players. I think that's also a big part of the mental. Yes, of course. Of course. What about nutrition? Oh, nutrition. I, I'm really into that actually like on my own. I've always been like interested in what is the best way to fuel your body and on the golf course and off the golf course. So on that, I definitely do that all on my own, you know, watching YouTube videos. And actually one of my best friends is a dietitian. So I've gotten a lot of notes from her and just really, really learned the best way to recover and fill your body while on the, on the golf course. So, you know, yeah. Okay. Wonderful. So you've got this year coming up, uh, the ladies European tour starts, well, it's already started, but I mean, it really starts to hit its stride in, uh, May, June, July, August, and mm-hmm. their season carries on through to, I believe late October, November. Yes. That's a lot of golf and it's going to be a lot of travel and logistics and whatnot. I mean, do you have an idea of what it might cost a, a professional player to play a full year of golf like that? Yeah, so that was one of the big things that I was worried about going into the season, like seeing where this schedule is taking me, basically a new country every week. And so, you know, it costs anywhere from like fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars to to compete all season long. And that's the expenses that we're going to have to incur no matter what. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. And sponsorship, or how are you deferring your costs? I mean, obviously, being a, a, a rookie on the Ladies European Tour, you're not going to have a whole lot of financial resources and a whole lot of sponsorship. What's going on for you on that front? Um, well, for sponsorships, um, uh, for clubs, um, Callaway and I do have like a, a deal where they provide me with equipment. And Titleist, FootJoy do provide me with golf balls and shoes as well. And apparel, Cutter and Buck has been providing me with that. So that is a, um, all set there. And then um, for this other sponsorships um, from back home, I do have Dave's Hot Chicken, which is a like hot chicken, fast casual brand that was based in uh, started in Hollywood. And so they're one of my supporters. Another one is a company near my house as well called connect resources <clears throat> staffing company. And um, also I'm working with a new sunglasses company called Gooder. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they have like a golf section that's growing recently. So I'm going to help their the PR for them as well. So that's another company that's helping me out. Sounds like you got a a good base to start with at least. Hopefully it can grow from there then. Yeah. Uh, Gabby, 
how are you managing all your other expenses? I mean, that's a lot. I mean, obviously, uh, starting out like this, it's not, uh, you know, there's not the big, huge lucrative contracts like, uh, you know, like the Tiger Woods Nike deal, obviously those are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So how does a professional player like you, I mean, how are you going to, or what do you do or what are some of the strategies to cope with those kind of costs? So going into this year, I knew that, you know, I was going to have to raise a bit of money through sponsorships, through various means. And I've been fortunate enough to have these people and these companies help me out and also friends and family also helping me out. Uh, But also I have created a, a GoFundMe campaign that I've posted online on social media to, you know, really put out my story and, you know, tell people that it takes a lot for me to be able to go and compete this season. And so that is also another way that um, I've used to raise money for expenses. Can I ask how that's been going? Yeah, it's been going great. Um, The response has been really great. Um, I'm about a third of my way to the goal. I've put uh, my goal to be about 40,000 and that will really, really help me start out the season with, you know, a peace of mind that I just got everything covered, got all the bases covered and are just going out there to compete and just thinking about golf and that's it. Right. I saw a social media post from one of your friends and she did this nice little intro story about, uh, an introductory story about her friend, Gabby, who's going to play professionally in Europe and we're setting up this GoFundMe page. Did you want to share a little bit about that or? Oh yeah. You must be talking about Hannah. Hannah Gregg? Anna Greg, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the yeah. So I had written up my story, and I was just trying to, you know, put it out there on on social media as best I can. And the very first day I put it out there, she, you know, saw I think my Instagram story, and she put out a tweet that I had won LETQ school, and that didn't automatically mean that I was set for funding for the next year just because I had won that. Like the correlation people think seems to exist because maybe it does for the men's side and these deals pop up for them, but it's not the same on the women's side. And so just because you win a tournament like that does not automatically mean that you get funding. And so as I am preparing and estimating for the 2022 season, I'm seeing the estimated budget just skyrocket because of it being in Europe, of course, and not just Europe. You're going to Saudi Arabia, you're going to South Africa, you're going to Australia, and then I'm coming back home and then coming back out. And it's, you know, something that I've never done before. And so it's going to be a double, triple, maybe even quadruple what I would have done on Epson tour, you know? And so that's why I had to use another method in order to raise awareness of my story. And so this GoFundMe campaign has been has been wonderful. And a lot of great people have reached out to me and has helped me with my, my campaign. Well, yeah, that's good news. You mentioned about the travel and it just dawned on me when you compared it to the Epson tour. Like, I mean, one trip for you, say from... Los Angeles to Saudi Arabia to South Africa and back again. 
That one trip is probably more miles traveled than you will do on the entire year at the Epson tour because everything is nice and compact. That's right. It is one. That's, that's one giant trip right there. Just from LA to Saudi Arabia to South Africa and back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's also the wonderful opportunities that do go with it that, um, that do make it a life experience and something to cherish and remember for the rest of your life, regardless. Exactly. I'm looking forward to it. So how can people assist if they, uh, listeners or anybody reading the story that we're going to be following up with as well, if they want to assist and say, I want to help Gabby. I mean, is there set denominations that people can, uh, have to donate or can they basically choose whatever, you know, they can afford or how, how would something like that go, Gabby? Well, as of right now, I have posted my GoFundMe campaign in my Instagram bio. Um, that's where I have uh, left it. And so I've referred all my, you know, friends and family and followers and whatnot that that is where I've put it up. And it's just, you know, you look at my username at Gabby then with three N's, T-H-E-N-N-N. <laughs> and um, it'll be right there. And there is no set denomination no donation is too small even if you just would like to share the link on maybe an instagram story or a tweet or whatnot i really would appreciate that even just sharing the story that i've posted on there will really help a lot so there is no set thing it's just anything helps (laughs) so we can get the uh, link off your instagram bio and we'll share that with our readers as well gabby a couple of minutes Still, I'd like to maybe chat with you about your Q school experience, if you don't mind. We've kind of talked around it a little bit, but we've never really discussed it. And that is, you had been playing up until, was it 2019? Yes. And I presume you were playing mostly on some of the minor tours? Um, from 2017 to 2019, I was I was fully on Symmetra Tour. Okay. Okay. Yeah. My apologies. I didn't quite well, get okay. that. And then... Uh, so what happened after 2019 that you wound up taking a couple of years off? Yeah, well, the reason I, I stopped playing, I I had, um, in 2019, I went to LPJQ school, stage one, and I missed moving on to stage two by one stroke. I bogeyed the last hole, and I it just absolutely crushed me. I, I, I said to myself, you know, like, where do I go from here? I... I have been planning my entire year around Q school and now I didn't make it stage one. And so at that point I had already been contemplating, should I continue playing professional golf? And then I missed moving on to stage two by one stroke. So it was just an added thing. And then a couple months later COVID happened. And so the lockdown gave me an opportunity to, to step back in a mandatory way, I guess. And just like all the golf courses closed, just like nothing, no golf. And it took me a while to get to the point where I said, you know what, I think I'm good enough. I think I'm going to try one more time. And so in 2021, in the beginning, I started playing on mini tours again, like cactus tour. And then I get on, got into the women's all pro tour. And then I just kept playing with there. I just thought I'm going to go in all in this year and see where it takes me. And when you say all in, what do you mean by that? Like at that point, you know, I didn't have that many sponsors and I basically took my savings account and just used almost all of it to just 
play professional golf and put myself in these opportunities to raise my ranking in any shape or form because I was basically starting over. So when you say all in, it's literally like playing uh, Texas Hold'em poker. You, you, you've got your cards. You, you're going all in to see yes, what comes down exactly. the river. Eh? That's exactly what happened. Okay. So obviously you succeeded somewhat uh, as a result of having done that. Do you feel a sense of satisfaction and a little bit of pride for having made a gutsy call like that and seeing that your hard work and determination pay off? Yeah, I think it really, really gave me like the, it justified my decision and it allowed me to, you know, really instill in my mind that, you know, I can do this. I'm a competitor. I should be out there. I should be raising my world ranking, you know, every chance I get. And so that was just like a stepping stone that I needed to go through in order to, you know, keep fully progressing through Q school and through now LAT. It's heartwarming, but it's also inspiring. Had that strong self-belief and you made it happen. Yeah. Well, I think, I think I didn't have that self-belief, you know, going into 2019. So I think it took that entire time from the end of 2019 to the beginning of 2021 to really build up that self-belief because that's so much of professional golf is you truly believing that you have the skill to go out there and compete and, and that you are like a strong competitor. And so I didn't fully believe in myself and I was doubting myself and I didn't understand or know even why I was playing golf anymore. And so that's why I basically stopped for a while and then fell back in love with the game and why I play golf. Was there a sort of any one moment where you had that rekindling of your love and passion for the game? Um, I don't think it was any singular moment. I just think it was, you know, me being honest to myself and under like saying, do I, do I really want to keep playing golf or do you want to pursue another career? Do you want to go <clears throat> in a different direction altogether? And the thought of me not going to practice every day or not having the opportunity to play these golf tournaments, it scared me. Like, no, like I like there's something inside that said, this is just not the move to quit golf. Yeah. Oh, good. A very inspiring story and experience. And thank you for sharing that with us. And let me use that as a bit of a segue. Looking back on your experiences and whatnot, what advice would you give to other aspiring players, Gabby? You know, whether they be junior players or collegiate players, you know, aspiring to become professionals or. Yeah, definitely. I think to any of the junior players or collegiate players that want to go pro, I think before you make that decision, I just take a moment to really understand what it's like to dedicate your entire life to the sport. Like everything is, is fully towards your improvement in this game and the mental focus that it takes, the mental energy that it takes and, you know, really understand why you want to dedicate your life to the sport. Because if you really don't love it, there's not going to be major, you know, progress progress in the way because, you're just doing it just to do it, not because you truly are passionate about the game. So that would be my advice. No, and very sage advice, very sage advice. And from someone who's been there, I mean, that's, that's worth its weight in gold, Gabby. <laughs> We're coming towards the end of our uh, show now, Gabby. Let me ask you, what's next for you? Um, as of right now, I am just 
<clears throat> training every day. I'm trying to get my, you know, strength back to normal after this COVID thing. <laughs> uh, it took, it took a lot out of me. I was out for about 10 days. And so I'm carving for that. And there are actually a couple of cactus tour events, uh, that are held at the same golf course that one of the Epson tour tournaments are at. So that is also, um, something I might look into playing as well. Those don't happen at the same time though, do they? No, it is uh, way before, um, LAT and the Epson tour tournaments. All right. And uh, one other thing again, just so I understand correctly, if people wanted to help you or assist you, um, if they were, say, a corporate sponsor that was listening in and wanted to say, hey, that's a, a good story, I'd like to I'd like to reach out or I think we can reach out and assist Gabby, just email you or something like that or contact you, send you a message through Instagram, something like that. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Email or Instagram, you can reach me either way. And you do have your email contact information on Instagram. Do you not? Yes, it is. It's on that email. For others, if they're just looking to make a a contribution one way or another, they can uh, get the link on your bio for your GoFundMe page. That is correct. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Gabby, it's um, been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and uh, getting to know you like this. And hopefully uh, we can get you back on the show a few more times and whatnot. I would love to. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's been fantastic. Uh, Just phenomenal. So, Big thank you, Gabby, and uh, we're going to wish you all the absolute best for a successful 2022. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gabby. And that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, concludes our show for today. So thank you very much for listening in. And remember, if you're out there playing golf, try your best to keep that golf ball in the short grass. You have been listening to our podcast show, We're Talking Golf, produced by The World of Golf. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, February 15th, 2022. If you have an idea for a future show, please send us an email to info at worldofgolf.org. Please include podcast show in the subject line. This show is the copyright of the world of golf. Thank you for joining us.